HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hello, Greenhorns. Uh, I'm glad that you're uh, listening and that you're well and that you're still uh, farming. Hopefully, if you ever started, that you keep doing it. And uh, even though it's hard sometimes be as exhausted as um, many people are this time of year. But thankfully, things are slowing down, and in California, the rains have come. Um, but I am talking to Erin Bullock today, and she is not in California, although she learned to farm in California, which is uh, obviously the case for many people, um, that I am meeting on this West Coast tour of the Greenhorn film preview screening uh, extravaganza. Many, many people that I'm meeting here in California are from other places, and they're coming here to learn about farming, and then hopefully, hopefully, uh, they will go back other places and um, start more farms there because, um, as you know, land prices in California are extremely high, um, and opportunities for um, sustainable land tenure are much more limited in this state than they are in other states. Aaron Bullock, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you, Severin? I'm great. Uh, I'm drinking a lot of coffee, so I'm talking really fast. Tell us yeah. how in uh, in Buffalo, um, New York. Yeah, it's really cold here. It's already snowing, oh. and uh, and I'm hoping that I can get the rest of my crops out of the ground before it's frozen. Golly, Moses, that seems very, very fast that it got cold. You had such a nice, long, warm fall. Yeah, yeah, we had a really warm summer. It started in April this year. <laughs> so it was it was a really great season. So finally we had a season on the East Coast where we got some nice tomatoes and peppers and everything got really ripe and full of sugar and CSA customers were satisfied and got their kicks. Um, I mean, uh, yeah. what's it called? Sugar kick, sugar fix. They're tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Aaron, will you give them. us a little introduction to your farm and, and how long sure. how long you're running it and what you're doing there and stuff? Yeah. Um, so I run Mud Creek Farm. Um, we just finished our second year of operation. We had 150 CSA members this year. Um, we are leasing our land. Um, it's right in the middle of the suburbs, about half an hour outside of Rochester, New York, um, which is a really great location. We had no problem getting CSA members. We're just doing really great and, and hoping to expand next year. We're currently leasing 28 acres, only about 15 of which are tillable, but um, we you know, have this opportunity to expand to like potentially like 300 members if we want to next year. So 
Um, I, my, I have a partner who's going to be like a full-time business partner for next year, and then we're hoping to hire like four people next year. We had one intern this year. She was great. Wow, moving right along, golly Moses! <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about um, how long it took you to become so proficient and professional in agriculture um, that you are feeding so many families and employing so many people and, and spending such a lot of time outdoors um, and 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 hopefully not too stressed out. Where yeah. can you explain? Like, like tell us, um, tell us a little <laughs> bit the, the sequence. Uh, well, I, the farming part kind of happened really fast. Like, I um, I had a degree from Cornell in landscape architecture, so that was my first career. I was working in San Francisco um, doing that, and so it sort of I knew how to grow plants, so I was just growing food for myself for a couple of years, and I didn't really realize till I was 26 that one could become a farmer and make a living at it. So at that point, I was like, okay, well, I'll try this out, and I did a one-year apprenticeship uh, out near Sacramento, uh, Full Belly Farm, and then I did a one-season apprenticeship in the Hudson Valley when I moved back to my home state of New York. Um, so after two years of apprenticing, I just up and started the farm, <laughs> and it was really scary, and I'm definitely still learning, but it just seemed like the right place and the right time. So, so um, did any of your elders and mentors and um, previous uh, farming bosses look at you a little bit um, skeptically when they heard you were going to start a farm after only two seasons of apprenticeships? Um, not really. Well, the first apprenticeship I did was a pretty large farm, and I didn't feel like a whole lot of encouragement or pushing towards, you know, business management, although I had had a landscaping business before, so I had that under my mm-hmm. belt. But so the second farm I apprenticed at, he was um, completely, the, the farmer was completely supportive. And just, you know, said, of course you can do it. So the first year I had 70 members, and, you know, it was no problem. Now, um, let's talk about buffalo. Are there a lot of other small uh, organic vegetable operations um, nearby where you're sharing equipment or having community or barn dances or um, certain... Yeah, Rochester, you mean, right? Oh, sorry, Rochester. Yeah, very close, but... Um, yeah, there, when I moved here, like, two years ago, there was only really, uh, three or four CSAs in the area. It's, it's sort of, it's been growing since I've been here, and there are more, um, but not that many, you know, and just, just really a handful of, like, organic vegetable growers. Um, so it, you know, it's been kind of lonely, (laughs) but, um, we do have a really great thing that started last year, um, the Good Food Collective, and that is... They call it like a mega CSA. So this this guy Chris Hartman was running a farmers market in the city, and then he decided, well, farmers markets don't really work out the best for the farmers, so let's you know start up this CSA buying club. So he he got all these farmers who were working at the market, like seven or eight of them, uh, to form this collective, and and I ended up supplying their CSA shares because they just needed extra; they couldn't grow enough, and um. So I got involved in that, and so that's been a really good thing for the community because there's, you know, not so regular meetings, but but it's just it's getting farmers together to, you know, talk about what they're growing and discuss things. And I mean, so far not too many barn dances, <laughs> but hopefully there'll be more. 
Um, but, you know, I think, I think there is a growing community, and uh, it's, it's small but, but active. And let's talk about let's talk about um, your your support in this and and your family and how they feel about you being a farmer and then also um, this handsome baker that I met last time I saw you. <laughs> yeah, um, so my family's totally supportive. They they thought it was weird, like back when I switched out of my corporate career to um, start playing in the dirt. They, you know, it was a little bit of a stress on a relationship, but I also lived across the country from them. So when I moved back, they, they of course, welcomed me back and, and said, oh, you know, we'll support you whatever you do. So um, they were totally, totally supportive. And my mom actually comes to every single distribution, pretty much, um, and just helps restock vegetables and helps people, like, pick up their CSA shares. So it's, it's pretty amazing involved, and I don't even ask her to do that. She just loves it. Um, oh, and the baker friend. <laughs> so um, I met Luke Stadola. He's, um, when I when I moved to Rochester, I didn't know a single person, so I talked to Liz Henderson. She's this famous CSA farmer in the area, and I was like, Liz, do you know any young people in the city? And um, she goes... Oh, yeah, she just gave me this one name. She's like, Luke Spittle, you should call him. He's starting a, a collective bakery, and he's community gardening in the city. So I tried to, like, stalk him for a while, and he was always, like, off doing something else. And finally, um, I ended up meeting him, and we kind of fell in love. So it was, like, totally perfect because he has this commercial kitchen and so I can bring vegetables into it, and he can make things out of the vegetables. I mean, he does bake bread and bagels and granola and all these things that I don't really have these baking skills, but he buys from local farmers. He'll, like, work with local wheat farmers, and he'll mill the wheat into flour and then turn it into these creations. But we're also now making, like, last fall we made... Um, like 400 pounds of kimchi, and we're about to do that again on Friday. So um, we just make a ton of vegetable concoctions and sell them at the market. And it's a really great relationship. And now he wants to farm. He's been working on the farm, like kind of not on the books or anything, but just helping out and learning. So now he's driving the tractors like more than I am, and he just wants to farm more than bake, I think. But I don't know how we're going to do both. I'm trying to do my, like, life planning and and our holistic goals, <laughs> and uh, I don't know, like, how the farm and the bakery can both occupy our lives and then still have time for other things. We're figuring it out. Well, it seems, like, pretty convenient, I must say. I mean, like, finding someone to date who has a commercial kitchen is, um, I mean, shucks. Yeah. That's, that's pretty strategic. Yeah, we um, kind of have this, like, whole corner on the, the food thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, we we have to branch out. We're gonna do hens next year. I think. You're gonna do laying hens or or meat hens? Yeah, laying birds, I think. But then later meat. I don't know. So you're we gonna can't do it all at once. You're gonna keep hmm? growing bigger so that you can both get um by the farm, or or you're gonna stay at 170. No, we're getting bigger. We're um. Probably going to do 250 members next year, um, and then probably also supply the Good Food Collective with like a tenth of their shares. But so we're having a meeting later you? tonight about that. 
What? Um, how does it feel to you to be, you know, doubling and doubling um, your skill from year to year like that? Like, what what does that kind of feel like to you? Well, right now it feels a little bit out of control. Um, like, I mean, I question like that, but but I've talked to a lot of farmers, and there are some people who think, okay, you should start small and grow slowly. And then there are some farmers who are like, well, you need to grow really fast so you can start making a profit. And so we have, like, a five-year business plan, and this was all pretty intentional. And and so next year's growth will be kind of the cap. So I, I don't want to get any bigger than that. But I think growing fast to that point will help, you know, pay off this very expensive tractor I bought on, like, a four-year loan with Kubota. It's fancy. So I have, like, some equipment that once we get to that scale, it's like the, the economy of scale. It kicks in, you know, and we're producing enough to make everything pay for itself. And then the idea is we make as much money as possible to then purchase our own land. So we're still, like, looking at properties, but it's kind of in the future. Well, what I've noticed happens a lot is people, you know, get into the rat race and pay off their equipment and, you know, maximize profitability in the small farm vegetable production Mm. way. And then they get to a certain moment, and then they come to a crossroads, and it's like, well, can I afford now to have babies, or can I afford now to try and start thinking about owning my own land? And a lot of people opt yeah. for babies. <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing a lot of that happening. Yeah. And my apprentice is having a baby in a couple of weeks. <laughs> um, she was going to all set to buy this house, and then it burned down. It was crazy. Like... Just Whoa. randomly. Yeah. So she's having it in her apartment, and I don't know how she's avoiding it, you know, but... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I kind of just, like, want everything. <laughs> like, I want everything all at once, and um, it's... Uh, I think I really need to spend the winter focusing on balance and figure out, like, really, you know, really make a plan so that I don't get burnt out. Because um, I just we spent the last couple of days touring around farms around Ithaca, and all we found were grumpy farmers, like young grumpy farmers and old grumpy farmers. Like everybody's grumpy. It's the time of year, I think. But yeah, it's, it's a grumpy like, time I don't of year. Everybody. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, and <laughs> a lot of these farmers are doing winter CSAs now, and I think that's kind of crazy. You know, I'm taking the winter off, but. I don't know. I, I really want to find a way to make this, like, personally sustainable as well as financially sustainable as well as, of course, the land being sustainable. But. So what would, be, what would be your dream? Like, you know, how, what would be, like, the magic fairy move that would make everything, you know, instantly okay? Hmm. Well, we're trying to work out what that is um, because Luke wants to go back to Vermont, I think, or he wants something like... like beautiful landscape around him and, like, lots of land to work with. But I'm not totally sure that will make us happy. I think, for me, I want to make a positive change in the community and stuff. So if I could have, like, this beautiful surrounding 20 tillable acres with clean water, you know, in Rochester and, like, have it right in the city of Rochester um, so I could have people work on the farm and pick up their vegetables and you pick and and I could be, you know, part of changing this community, like, that would be really satisfying to me. 
you know, as well as if we could satisfy satisfy Luke's desire to have like beautiful space around him and and like not these ugly suburbs and sprawl that we see everywhere. Now, this uh, ugly suburbs and sprawl that we see everywhere is very. It's almost as it's almost it's more perplexing, but not. It's more perplexing than land that's underutilized, but um, mm. but I'm also perplexed by all underutilized land that I mm. see. Um, but the thing is, that's nice about the suburbs and and sprawl is that there's all these people there who are good customers and whose kids um, are really interested to come and engage in um, farm-based education. Are you finding um, Are you finding that there's demand for access to um, your farm for these, like, just the moms wanting their kids to come? Yeah, definitely, definitely. We have, um, like, farm planting parties and stuff, and people love bringing their kids. And even just to pick up, like, every distribution um, is at the farm. And so, like, twice a week we have, like, 80 different families coming, and actually more than that because they split shares, and they bring their kids. Like, half of our members bring kids every week, and they come out and they pick their own peas and cherry tomatoes and flowers and herbs and kids walk around and they point at the rooster and they love him and, you know, it's like a real, like, beautiful thing to see these people out at the farms because, like, they don't have much experience on these farms and the kids like to, you know, get up on the tractors and stuff. And so, I don't know, I feel like if I can make that more accessible to people, that I'm doing a really good thing for the community. So now I'm trying to, like, I'm going to write this email to uh, the town supervisor of this place that we want to hopefully find land and just try to, like, pitch this to him. Be like, look at what we can do for, for the quality of life of your community. You know, providing all these organic vegetables right in your neighborhood. I don't know how I can refuse that. <laughs> you're, you're trying to build... You're trying to build a relationship with the town supervisor and see if he can be a fan and, a, or and an ally in your finding land in his community. Yeah, as many people as I can. I'm just trying to talk to whoever, you know, is interested in that. And and they do have, like, a green uh, a green task force, and they're trying to make their neighborhood more green. And So, I don't know. Well, well I think that's really savvy. I mean, I think figuring out where the power lies in the system and figuring out who the important allies are to get, yeah. get you a place of, you know, lasting success is, like, very, very smart. And yeah, probably, and it becomes political. Hire, yeah, being mm-hmm. a little political. Mm-hmm. And you're probably going to ev- eventually have to hire somebody to manage all the educational programs. So that's another yeah, whole definitely. set of like, things to yeah, jump I, through. And, like, it would be like a whole community thing. I mean, I definitely want to focus on like the vegetable growing aspect of it, at least for now. That's what really interests me. So... Yeah, if somebody wants to come do an educational program, you know, that's their that's their job. And if Luke wants to run the, the food processing facility and we're hoping to get, like, a chef to run, like, a little restaurant as part of our whole dream complex. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Yeah. All yeah, powered it's by pretty the exciting. Well, and nobody better to do it than you, Erin. You're so strong and so brave. I'm really impressed how much you've accomplished in just the time I've known you. It's like you're kind of a powerhouse. Yeah, thank you. I hope it 
does it run out? <laughs> I need to I need to restore myself at this point, recharge. Well, but, yeah, maple, maple maple sugar time, and you can sit in home and get fat on pancakes. Mm, yeah, all winter long. Yeah, I'm actually going to California in January. So. Oh, are you going to go to Eco Farm? I think I might. I was going to apply for a scholarship, and then well, it would be whole, it. it would be a business expense. Yeah. Right. Right. Totally. Totally. Well, I will see you there. Greenhorns will be there. Um, Yay. We're 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 on the phone with Erin Bullock. She's a farmer at Mud Creek Farm in Rochester, New York. Do you want to tell people about your blog? I think you have a really amazing blog. Oh yeah. Um. Well, I update it like every week or so, and there's photos on it occasionally. My blog is uh, farmererin.blogspot.com. And, and it's all uh, archived from when you were just beginning farming, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's from, it's from actually, I blogged during the whole apprenticeship I did in the Hudson Valley. And there's actually a lot more on that blog than once I started farming. I was, like, too busy to blog. So I kind of think next year maybe I'll have somebody else post for me. Or we could take turns because it's really hard to find time to do that, you know, when I'm exhausted at the end of the day. But, you know, the CSA members really like it. A lot of people get recipes and stuff from it and see what's happening on the farm. But I've been using it more in general just to tell my story. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Erin, thank you so much for joining us and and for for being the rock star that you are. I want to make sure that all of our listeners know that there are um, continuing Young Farmer events all over the country. Um, this year, I just did the math. We did 37 events in 13 different states. So wow. no matter where you are, we're, we're probably not more than seven or eight states away from you. Um, and, and maybe if you, if you get in touch, we'll do one right in, at your farm. So um, please do be a uh, part of our online community and, and, and communicate with us through the podcast if you're you know, oh you are you're on the podcast okay but you figure that out now there's also things um, there's a wiki um, we just reissued our guidebook um, we also issued something called the um, farm access compendium which is a national um, survey we did of resources that are useful in finding sustainable land tenure and we put them all in one book um, that you can download for free off our website um there's also a wonderful mapping project that is getting more layers added to it right as we speak. Um, and all sorts of other things to tune into that are going on around the country um, on our blog. You can check out. There's Right now, there's an amazing band that's going around. It's called the Vegetable Orchestra. Anyway, I could go on for a long time, but thanks for listening. Thanks, Heritage Radio. Um, thanks, Hearst Ranch, for your sponsorship of our programming. And thank you all for keeping your spirits up at the end of the season. Bye, Aaron. Bye. Down in uptown, I heard a white man say, I don't want no niggas up there. He's a man. Oh, 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 man.